Yo, welcome back. This is the Rack Chat Podcast. Back for episode two of the season two. Um, I've had a good week this week. Work was, um, it was, well, my week actually went by pretty quick. Had a lot of work to get done. Uh, got in the woods on Saturday. Uh, didn't see a thing all morning. Went in the evening which I kind of spent most of my time sitting in the woods watching the Tennessee-Alabama game. And if you're an Alabama fan, I just want you to know that I love you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, our King, but I hate you as a football fan. Um, And I think that I have a co-host here that will definitely agree with me, uh, and I'm going to introduce him right now, Mr. Sivart Travis Davis. Yo, yo, yo. And yes, Uh, I agree 100%. Uh, we love you because we're supposed to, but uh, we do not like you right now, and we probably won't for another year, and we may not like you then either. I don't think – I'm still going to hold the, uh, what is it, 53-49 from last year. Yes. Um, I don't care how much crap they talk. Oh, we beat you 15 years in a row. I don't care. Well, we beat you 53-49. Well, so. I thought it was very odd that the refs were wearing crimson and white last night, or as so it seemed, I mean – yeah, it's seen that way. We'll, we'll leave that there. You know, there's I'm sure there's Bama fans that listen. And just if you are, we'll pray for you and your sanity. I just want to know how, like, blocking out the sun with your hand can be um, called as a fair catch in the one-yard line. Yeah. But you, you know what? We're not a sports podcast. We're not. So, with that being said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce a master hunter that's, you know, in one week taught me more than anybody's ever taught me in the whole – flipping 15 years i've been hunting um mr steve how are you today doing well fellas how are you doing oh we're great i'm, I'm amazing i don't know if so, i would say master hunter what you wouldn't call yourself the jaegermeister i i mean i was sitting in a tree stand a couple days ago and i was actually thinking about like this is my 47th year of chasing whitetails so i have a lot of tricks up my sleeve and i've learned a lot through the years and I've made every mistake that a guy can make, and I'm still learning as we go, but nobody's ever called me the master. Well, I'm going to tell you that just based off of last podcast, I went out, moved my sight around, uh, started messing with my pins. I texted you about going to a thumb button. You gave me some topics on that to think about. Uh, I think we texted quite a bit last week about about hunting and stuff. But speaking about hunting, you went on a hunt in northern Missouri this year? Or this yeah, I just, got, just got home a few hours ago, actually. I went up uh, had three and a half days in northern Missouri. Usually it's uh, phenomenal hunting. But I, you actually got me thinking a little bit because last, last podcast, we actually talked about the October lull. Does it exist? And uh, I still don't think it exists, but I ran into a lull that I was not anticipating. Uh, the farm we have access to hunt on, I actually got three different farms and uh, been hunting there for a little over 20 years, 22, 23 years, I guess, on the same farm and uh, get there. And it's one of these places you can walk in there in the dark, you know, where, what tree to go to, you know, what trail the deer are going to be using. Get there and uh, I'm like, this looks a whole lot different. And someone, uh, it was not the landowner because he's just an old, older guy that farms only, but somebody has been in there in my honey hole and they've cleared out a bunch of trees and made a racetrack for side-by-sides. <laughs> so I uh, ended up sitting there one sit and I saw one doe about 70 yards away in a spot where I usually would see 15 or 20 deer. 
So it was time to reevaluate what was going on. So, so we back up. And go to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So what I'm what I'm hearing is you threw out about four boxes full of nails in the racetrack to stop. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I didn't do that. Because no, I'm kidding. like, I got other places. You know, you guys have fun in this patch of woods. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. So uh, we gonna pack up and go to the other farm. We hunt quite a bit. Another one of those, you could walk in there in the dark, you know exactly what tree to go to, you know what trail the deer are using. And you get there and you're like, what's that brush pile? And all of a sudden you move a little farther and you're like, what's this brush pile? Yeah, they just finished logging it. So the actual trees that we normally would even put our stands on were gone. Um, all the trails the deer were used were just covered and just, just mounds after mound after mound of tree limbs and treetops and everything else. So... It required a lot of scouting to come up with a, the plan B. So you always go in there with plan A, you know what you got in mind and what you're going to do, but uh, it didn't work. So I ended up sitting in a, uh, found another spot. There was a kind of an isolated ditch and I sat there and I did see 11 deer yesterday evening, but <clears throat> nothing was really close enough for me to take a shot at, but finally figured out the pattern the deer were on. And now it was time to pack up and come home. But plan B took place. Found, I got on them finally, uh, didn't give up. But we'll see what happens on the next trip. I'm, I'm glad that you're sitting here talking about um, <clears throat> how far the deer were out. Because that, like, leads us right into what the first topic I wanted to talk about. I've seen it last week. And then I'll start with Trav with this one. Right. Trav, how far is too far of a shot for you? Like, what's your comfortability knowing, like, now you're fighting – comfortableness plus being ethical mm -hmm. see and i think that this can go a multitude of ways like we kind of talked about pre-show but like you know this goes back to one what is your skill level how confident are you with it how much have you practiced how far have you been shooting okay me personally when i'm shooting consistently and i'll try to you know of course i'm not going to shoot a deer 60 or 70 yards with a bow like i do practicing because I'm not going to keep it grouped consistently. If I'm in an open, open-ish area, I, I'm thinking somewhere between like 40, 45 is max. Like that is max. Like it, and it's going to have to be open. Now, tight area, I don't want it that far. Um, you know, and I know some people that will send them at 50 plus yards. And then, like I've touched on before, like you'll watch videos of these guys shooting like out west, like mule deer, deer, or elk, and they'll shoot like a sixty-yard, seventy-yard shot on something. But it's a lot more open area too. And for me, I think if you can be around thirty to forty, that's about. I mean, for me personally, now there may be other people that shoot more and are still staying that accurate at fifty, sixty yards. But I feel like, and two, you need to know your bow. And you need to know how, you know, everything about it before you take that shot. If you're confident in that and you can kill at that, then go for it. But, like I said, I think it goes back down to a personal basis there on what you want to do and what you're comfortable with. See, I agree with that. Like, um, <clears throat> I was noticing whenever we were sighting in my buddy John's bow, <clears throat> his old bow, his bow was barely sticking in foam at, like, 20 yards. Mm. I mean, like – you're I'm giving I'm gonna be lax when I say this. Probably only about ten inches into the foam at twenty yards. So that got me thinking about my bow and I was like, huh, 
I want to see how far I'm sticking into foam at 30, 40, 50 yards because, like, that's foam. Yeah. And so with a broadhead, yeah, you're talking, you know, a little bit more penetration. Mm. But, like, I'm not there with you is I don't – my like I said last week, my, my money shot's 30, 35 yards. Yeah. And that's that seems to be about the ranges that I get um, in the woods – but I'm starting to hunt over a little bit more of an open field. I try to stay like 10, 10 yards, 10, 15 yards off, like into the back end of the woods. But I want to have that clear open field shot just for the simple fact of like, they're not always going to walk down the edge of the corn row. If the corn's taken down, they'll walk right through the woods or right through the, the, the cut down corn. So I'm starting to sit out a little bit more, but I started thinking the other night that I was like, man, if, if a deer walks out into the woods, like how far am I going to shoot? Would I, would I ethically take a 55 yard shot? Because I know I'll hit it, but I don't know if I'm going to hit it where I need to hit it. Yeah. And if I'm not going to hit it where I need to hit it, that's not ethical. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm right there with you. I'd probably about 30, 35 yards, 40. I'd, I'd do 40, 45. Um, but my money shot was like, if they're walking towards me, I'm going to wait for them to get into 30, 35 yards. But if they're, walk, if they're walking left or right at 40, 45 yards, I'll take the shot. But if not, I'm just going to do my best to keep it, to try to get them to come in closer. Mm-hmm. But um, now well, we're talking about Steve over here, Mr. Missouri <laughs> Trap Shooter or Missouri Archery Shooter of the Year, probably slinging dimes at. 75 90 yards 75 to 100 yards well funny story for you um it. Deer that i saw yesterday were on a trail and every single one on that not all, to, all not all at the same time but every deer passed on the same trail and everyone was 55 yards away from me didn't even pick up my boat they're going from left to right and so i had somebody that, that was around me like well i thought you could take that shot i'm like yeah i can hit that shot i can hit now, even with my broadheads, I'll I'll do I don't know softball sized targets at, at that distance, but I'm not going to do it to a deer. Um, I mean, I'll I'll practice. I've I've practiced 80 yards with my broad, um, and I, I could could I hit a target at 80 yards, a, a deer at 80 yards, and potentially a kill shot? Yes, but I will never take that shot. Uh, 40 is kind of my limit. Uh, I think I I don't know if it's just a respect thing I have for the animal. I think we we owe it to the animal to be as ethical and as clean as possible. And a deer's reflex time is so quick; they can move so much in the amount of time you take that shot to the arrow gets there. Yeah. You can be aiming and you know in the exact perfect spot, and that deer can. Everybody says they jump the string, but actually, what's happening is they're they're bending down, squatting down to load up their legs like a big spring, so they can get the heck out of dodge when they hear that sound. They don't know what the sound is. They just hear something, so they're they're going to leave. And you can you can have a perfect aim spot on a deer, and I always aim you know like bottom third on the on the chest cavity. Um, but you can actually shoot over the top of a deer with a perfect shot. And the further out you get, I think we start getting that forty yards, fifty yards. I think that's I think that's where you really have a problem with the deer having more time to move on you. And once I think once you get past 50, you know, if you're if you're one of those guys, you practice that, you're comfortable with it. Heck, yeah, go for it. Um, but <clears throat> I think it gets to a part where the deer doesn't really pay attention to the sound. You know, 60 yards, 70 yard shots are not going to pay attention to the sound like they would at 30 yards or 40 yards kind of thing. 
So, yeah, like I said I practice long distance, but I, I will not take a shot on a deer over 40. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's about the common consensus of just about everybody I know. And I mean, and I, I listen to these people it's like, oh, yeah, I, I'll shoot deer at 60 yards. I'm like, where in the woods do you have a 60-yard shooting lane? Yeah. Like, because if you're in the if you're in some dense woods, because I mean, I, I hunt some pretty dense woods, even during the you know fall and winter, it you know, and the, the leaves turn and they fall. I still don't have a thirty yard shooting lane. I mean, I I can get out there, and this is the thing that I really need to work on is you know I get out and I I um, range trees, but my problem is I'll range too many trees where I first start forgetting yardages. So I'm like, okay, I'm picking three or four trees from left to right and I'll range their yardages and I'll have to base it off of that. Cause you, you know, you don't have time to pick your rangefinder up, click. Okay. Pull back. By the time you pull back, Oh, he's done walked five yards. Okay. Well, he was at 30. He walked to me five yards. And I think that's where having a five, like a, a pin site rather than a single pin kind of helps out a little bit. Um, you know, you can just easily adjust <clears throat> with your pins. But like I was saying, I get too caught up in thinking like, oh, crap, that tree was 20 yards. He's kind of walked in three to four yards. Okay, where do I need to aim now? But like you said, I aim – I try to put it right in the – consider their armpit. That way, if they do duck, I'm still hitting low – first third or middle to high second third because you you would love to have that heart shot and i i wish that i could just hit it there every single time but uh i mean that i i'm taking that's where you're aiming is right in that little armpit shot steve i i take my shot based off of where do i want the exit to be at not where do i want the entrance to be hmm. i want to go through the heart and so I'm looking at on the animal, if it's perfectly broadside, you know, quarter and away, quarter and towards, whatever it is, I don't look at where do I want to hit it. I want, I look at it like, where can I put an exit wound that's going to go through the heart on the way through? And again, if you're off an inch, two inch, whatever kind of thing, I mean, those, that's going to happen. But that's what I try to do is I, I, I shoot for my, where do I want my exit? What about you, Trav? What you got? Where 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 are you aiming on a live deer? The same spot you said. That's just kind of the old thing that I got taught when I got started hunting. You know, shoot right here, and okay, you know, that's that's and it's kind of one of the things that you hear it your whole life, and you kill a few there. It's like that's where I'm going to keep going, you know. And I think anybody that hunts long enough is going to make a mistake and hit one in not a great area. I shot one with a muzzleloader one time and gut shot the deer did it die yes but you know and it was i was young and it the deer was still running when i shot it so i mean um which makes it more of a challenge there of course but um how much do you guys change it if you're if that's your normal spot let's assume a deer is broadside and you're going to put it right in the pocket so to speak yeah and how, how do you change your aim point if the deer is courting towards you do you still put it in the pocket or do you change where you where your aim is going to be at I, if he's quartering towards me, let me think about this. Cause I, cause my height kind of varies cause I have different trees that allow me to get up, you know, either 40, 50 feet high or get up, you know, 20, 30 feet high. 
but I I would like to aim quartering to me. I aim kind of for for the the top of the shoulder and try to go long quartering towards me. Um, but I, then again, I've also never thought about it in the aspect that you said about my exit shot. So now I'm thinking about that. You're just going out the backside, more of a liver or a gut shot. So, so I've, uh, I've seen several people in the past that have, again, they, they go out and they practice on a target. Let's just say you got a, a 3d target. It looks like a deer, whatever, you're, whatever you're shooting at. And they know you got to hit the deer right in that pocket, right behind the shoulder. Well, if a deer is quartering towards you and you hit it, which I'm going to say it looks like a perfect entrance, but then it comes out, you know, by the hind leg on the other side, you know, and you missed all the vitals. But like I said, you, they say, oh, I hit it in the perfect spot. Well, you did, but because of the angle of the deer versus the trajectory of your arrow, it was a horrible shot. So you have to change your point of impact, you know, where you want to hit it so that the arrow goes through the heart and comes out. So in that situation, let's say we got one quarter towards you, I might go in right in front of the shoulder and hopefully go through the heart and I'll still come out through it. Yeah, see, that makes sense. Because, I mean, like last year, my the doe that I had shot and I hit, oh, Peter, please don't come after me for saying this. <laughs> I, I went straight chest right underneath the chin that's the only shot that i had if she would have got underneath me and went by and went behind me i had no shot to my right and the only other look that i had is she turned left and went broadside and she was not going that way so she was about 16 yards and um i hit her you know looked up i hit her right in the white patch never found her never didn't find a speck of blood i know i hit her because she ran backwards and smacked a log, broke my arrow off. Not the broke the, I had probably a quarter of an arrow. So I know I penetrated, you know, deep, never found blood, never found hair, found the, my light knock underneath, a uh, or found the last quarter of my arrow underneath a log. So I know I hit her, never found anything, never heard her. I thought I heard a crash, but it was so thick. It was early season. It was so thick. We couldn't even get back to where I thought I heard a crash. So it was, and, and kind of the land I was hunting was kind of on a wildlife rehabilitation. It center was the neighbor and it ran onto their property. So it was kind of like, I can't go knock on their door and be like, well, I kind of shot a deer and it ran onto your property. Um, and I don't know if it's dead because they would have been freaking out but uh trav yeah what i just had the perfect question in my head for you because it would have made perfect sense for you to answer but it totally just <laughs> flew right out of my mind for a second my dog is freaking out for some reason next to me she won't get comfortable but uh yeah uh so answer the quarter into you question. I'll see if I can figure out. What do you mean answer it? Like where I would shoot it? Yeah. I mean, he's putting a whole different, Mr. I'm not master hunter over here, you know, <laughs> all kinds of different scenarios for us. You know, um, I don't know. I'm kind of with him. You're going to have to pick a spot. And I, that's going to change my style because I've always just tried to stick it right there behind the shoulder. You know, and I, I'm with you. I did when I was, I think I was like 18. I took a, I was on, I was bow hunting and it was a buddy of mine's bow that I'd been shooting at a pendulum site. I hate them. 
I hate those thoughts, but it was what was on it. And I was young, dumb and broke. And I was hunting from the ground and had a doe walk out and the only shot she's seen me. And it was about 35, 40 yards. And I shot and I literally cut the hair on her chest. And the only way I knew I'd done this is we were hunting a little piece of property and another buddy was about 180 yards down the hill and he shot the deer. It ran right to his stand. He shot it and we got there. Like her whole chest was just cut open. Like I just was just shot. Like I was with you. I tried to shoot right into the chest just because it was the only shot I had with the deer standing there looking dead at me. And, you know, it wasn't smart looking back. It wasn't the most ethical of the deer. Trav, you still there? Uh-oh, goodbye, Trav. Uh-oh. All right, so you was talking oh, about getting 30, Trav. 40 feet up in the tree? Yeah, I, I'm one of those. I don't want to be eye level with a deer. So I get, I might, my max I'll go is probably 40, 50. But that's just comfortability. And now I know there are people out there like, oh, you need to get higher than that. You need to be at least, you know, 60, 60 feet. No, I don't. But if I can go high, I will go high. But that's only when I'm sitting kind of on a hill. And if they're coming down the hill, if I'm sitting at 20, they're gonna, I'm going to be eye level with it. If I'm, But if they're coming up the hill, their head down, I'm still 20 feet above them. But if I'm on flat land, I try to get at least 30, 40. Wow. I'm always, uh, I, I, like I said, I normally use a climbing stand. My feet will be anywhere from six feet to eight feet off the ground. That's it. Six to eight feet off the ground? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Is that, is that, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Is that a, a comfortability thing or is that a, well, I just in, know I don't need to be that high off the ground. It, no, in, in the woods where I hunt at, I can see under the limbs and everything better at that distance. And then also my target is bigger. You know, the, a deer from its back to its belly is much taller than it is if you're looking down on it. Now it gets narrower. So I have a much bigger target to shoot at. I just try to set up where I can play the wind the right way. And uh, I mean, I, I've had deer 10 feet in front of me while I'm six feet off the ground and whacking them. Um, so your, your thought, I mean, so do you agree with getting up that high or do you, do you think that everybody shouldn't be climbing? Well, well, if that's where somebody wants to be, Hey, go for it. You do you. Um, like I said, I think it, it causes some issues with hitting your target better. So again, let's, let's go back and talk about a deer target you're looking at. Um, you're going to hit the, you want to hit the deer broadside, right behind, right in the pocket, right behind the shoulder, you know, about a third of the way up. Okay. Well now if you're shooting from that angle, now you got to hit them like way high on the shoulder to try to get uh, a low entry or a low exit wound on it. So your, your aim point again is totally, totally different. Cause if you hit one right in that sweet spot, um, it's going, it's going to change, you know, what, what you're doing again. Yeah. You're going to come out low and not even hit a vitals possibly, or maybe just catch the bottom of one long is going to be it. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, now that now that Trav got back on, we had some connectivity issues. Luckily, it wasn't nothing too serious. And, yeah, we're, I'm back. So, um, but yeah, we were still talking about uh, how high are you getting up into the tree. Uh, I, I know me and Trav talked about this last season, mm-hmm. talking about this these old tree stands that oh god, yeah. you know, he was given that I was given by a buddy, and I'm so like I'm you know if he's listening, Jason, thank you for letting me use that tree stand, but. It did scare the crap out of me a lot. I mean, it was an old Grand Slam tree stand, uh, and it didn't even have a front bar on it. So it was really weird climbing up. But I can't tell you how many times I got up about 20 feet, and I'm, like, shivering. Like, I cannot stay – like, I was shaking because I did not know if this tree tree stand was going to hold me. Uh, I actually had a conversation last night. The property that a friend of mine owns now, I can't give out too many details on it, but – we were talking on stands to hang and stuff like that, which it's we're gonna hunt it a little this year, I think. But it there's a lot of work that needs to be done. This property that hasn't been taken care of in about seven or eight years, I think, and it's 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 thick. Well, I mean, there is some areas that there's patches of briars and what used to be food plots that, I mean, you can't even see through. It's it's insanity. Um, but we were talking and talking about climbing and everything else. And we're like, if we're going to hang some stands, like we're just going to go get some hang-ons. And, but when, with height wise used to, when I was a kid, I would, I would just shimmy up there as high as I thought I could get. And why? I don't know. I think it was just like a little ego thing to say that you could climb up there as high as you could or whatever, you know, and it would be, okay, my rope's this long. I'm going to climb until I hear my gun dangle on the side of the tree or something stupid. Just, okay, that's far enough. But, uh, last year, the majority of the hunting I did was out of a, a ladder stand that was like 15, 20 feet. And then I hunted a few times out of one that was like a bow platform. It was pretty high. I don't remember exactly how high it was, but it was sketchy getting in and out of it. And needless to say, I didn't hunt out of it too much. And it was in a, it was in a little bit of a bad spot, in my opinion. But So do you think most people go that high uh, because of scent or is it a different reason? Uh, I think some people, yeah, some people are like huge scent people. I know a guy that is, I mean, this man has 15 different scent sprays and washed his clothes in three different no scent stuff, has like an Ozonics like on the tree. I mean, and he gets pretty high. And there's other people I think do it just to get up there to say they've got an advantage and more side or something. I don't know. Uh, my dad used to climb pretty high when I was a kid in some spots, and I've seen him not be that high. I mean, we used to hunt out of a ladder stand that was like 12 foot off the ground and killed several deer out of it. So, I just think like two days hunting personnel, like people that are going out hunting and stuff like that, they they forget that old, you know, old grandpappy used to go sit in a lawn chair at the bottom of a tree wearing a red flannel and blue jeans smoking a marlboro you know or or they was... or they nailed two by fours to the side of a tree and built a platform off of it and you know still had like a lawn chair up there or leaned against the you know the trunk of the tree and still smoking a marlboro yeah, right. and people are like you know man you gotta you you gotta set your clothes out by a fire the night before. Let the smoke scent get all over them. Then you gotta spray it with scent blocker. You can't wear your deodorant. You better go buy the scent blocker deodorant and take a shower using your 
your no scent soap and stuff like like your dead downwind or scent blocker stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's all great, but you, I I have scent blocker spray. Look, there's a guy as the story that there's a guy I work with. He doesn't hunt much. He used to hunt some back in the day, but a few years ago. We were all talking about hunting and everything. He's like, you know what? I need, to, I need to get a good deer to put in the freezer, you know, just for some meat for me and my wife and everything. And uh, another guy we work with, he's a big scent guy. He's like, yeah, I'll take you his property. They go. He's stepping out of the truck. His wife had washed his hunting clothes the night before, and he pulls a dryer sheet out of his pocket as he's, like, getting out of the truck. They walk in there, sit there a couple hours, and he shot an eight-point at, like, 25 yards from him that apparently never smelled him and he just like wanted to rub that in all of our faces because everybody was going on about scent and going about this spray and that spray and he's like well i had a downy dryer sheet in my pocket when i got out of the truck <laughs> maybe that's the trick you know so what's your take on scent steve like are you a big scent guy or are you a grandpappy did it this way i'm doing it this way um I've kind of developed my own style through the years. I'm not big on, okay. I pay attention to the scent part, but I don't, I don't go overboard with it. I got like a little scent spray thing. Just I hit the clothes once or twice a year is about it. Um, I've just learned how to pay attention to winds and thermals. I think me paying attention to thermals has got me closer to deer than anything else ever has. Yeah. I've been playing wind a little bit more this year. So I always use, um, milkweed i don't know if you guys ever use that or not and you can you can drop some milkweed and then it shows you exactly where the wind currents are because wind is just like water water in a creek you know it goes hits rocks hits trees whatever and it's got the little eddies behind it and wind does the exact same thing when it goes around a tree it swirls and curls and everything else and i had one time where i was out hunting and i had i had a deer that was it almost seemed like it was coming in on on the upwind side i mean like there's no way this deer could smell me and all of a sudden it just throws its head in the air and licks its nose and bolts out like there's no way reached my little backpack pulled out a little piece of milkweed and i let it go and it just started floating floating all of a sudden made a hard left turn went right to where that deer was at 30 yards away from me in the opposite direction you know just way the, the wind and terrain and everything else so i started paying attention to that um more than the actual wind direction itself and that's that's like i said I've, i'll be six to eight feet off the ground and whacking deer hmm. maybe i'm just doing something wrong because i didn't see it a single deer. Well, I lied. I got out of the stand last night because I had a, I had something to go to. So I got out a little early. I mean, it was still probably could have killed something, but I had a good walk back to my truck. And when I got to my truck up by the house, I look and there's two does sitting out in the field. And I was like, man, if I would have sat about 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, they would have walked right in front of me. I would have had just, a, I mean, just enough shooting light. But that seems to be the story of my life. I'm either getting down too early or getting in too late. And I'm, and I feel like I'm getting in at least an hour and a half before shooting lights. So I'm getting in good time. And I just, it's always like, Oh, I got something to, I got to go do like that after I get done hunting. So it's like, Oh man, I got to get oh, it's, it's seven o'clock. I got to go. And, but you know, the right deer will come out, but we've talked about, this is actually great because we've talked about how far is too far. We've talked about how high is too high. Let's talk about how close is too close. That comes from a, you got to know your bow standpoint. Because I think it was like last week we talked about it, either pre-show or on the show. You were saying like, 
you use your 40 pin when it's inside yeah, so the mini most most people think that when you're shooting at a close distance you have to let's say you got a 20 yard pin most people have it like a 20 but if you're shooting like a you know eight yard or seven yards kind of thing they go well, i was putting my 20 real low and it's it's Every bow is different based off your draw length, based off of, you know, what bow you have, based off your poundage. But everybody needs to go out and learn this with their own bow. So on my bow, at like three or four yards, I'm using my 40-yard pin to hit exactly what I want to hit. And then as I get closer, like eight yards, I'm using like, you know, a 30-yard pin. And then at 11 yards, I'm exactly, it's so the arrow kind of like raises and then it goes back down again, like a bullet does. So I at 11 yards, I'm right where I need to be again. But between between three yards and, and, and 11 yards on my bow, I actually got to use my my higher numbered pins. Um, but then once I get past 11, then then I, I use your 20 like you normally would. You know, if I'm 15, I just aim a little low with my 20 and I'm good to go. 18, just a little hair low and I'm good to go. But yeah, on the close target, four or five yards, I'm using my 35 and 40 yard pins. You go to a 3D tournament with a close target. Watch how many people will miss a four-yard target. A four-yard? Four yards. People will miss a four-yard target all day long because they, they everybody thinks, well, it's got to aim low. And, and then they can't understand why they missed their target so bad. I don't think I've ever been to a 3D shoot with a four-yard target. No, it's 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 a game changer. I mean, I've been to, I've been to archer shoots where they're like, hey, five bucks, and you can get, take three shots at this turkey that's 75 yards out. And if yeah, you put, hit put, it, you're put, closest put to the center. Put a turkey at three yards and watch how many people miss it. Yeah, I got I got some time this week. I've got a turkey target I could use. I'm going to go test this theory. <laughs> Let me know. Yeah, I mean, so I shot – the only Pennsylvania deer that I have under my belt right now was at six yards. Um, and I was like 20 pin on its hoof. And I double lunged it, but maybe because it was almost like a straight up and down shot. Like, I mean, I was I dang near bent as far as my hip would let me go and took my shot, double lunged it straight through. I thought I missed until I was like okay i'm out of daylight i'm gonna go get my arrow put it in my quiver i'm going home and i got up to it and my all my fletchings were red and my night knock was filled with blood and i was like oh i hit it because i didn't hear a crash or nothing but it was also in the snow so when she fell down i you, you weren't hearing nothing just yeah. that's all you heard and then she was 40 yards away so i didn't hear her but uh yeah it's honestly i would i don't want a deer to get that close like honestly if i if if i have a 20 yard shot i'm gonna try to hit it 20 yards because that's what i practice at i mean i'm not this world-class archery shooter that practices these shots at you know six yards to 70 yards i practice my 20 my 30 my 40 my 50 and my 60 so if I'm comfortable at those five, I'm going to shoot at those five. So instead of people like, oh, man, I'll wait until they get right on top of me. No, I would rather go with what I'm comfortable shooting at. And if I've got the 20-yard shot, why wait until she gets I agree. eight yards? I agree. You know, why wait for that shot, you know? And Again, if like she's you 20 yards and she's, she's quartered to me 
and I know within 15 yards she might go broadside, yeah, I'll let her walk into 15, hold my 20 pin low, and I mean, let You said the magic words, though, you're comfortable with it. You know, if I got a deer at 30 yards and I'm comfortable with it, I'm going to take the shot. I'm not going to wait for it to get 15 yards. Why Why wait for a shot at 15 I'm comfortable with when I'm comfortable with the one at 30 kind of thing? But, yeah, you have to practice that stuff. You know, we mentioned that quite a bit on the last podcast about, you know, how important practice is. But, yeah, the same thing, you know, pra- practice those close shots. Again, can you hit a deer with your with the you know a twenty yard pin instead of your forty yard pin at five yard? Yeah, you're going to hit it, but are you going to hit it exactly in the spot you want? And when I'm talking about missing the target, like I just referenced a few minutes ago with a three D target, I'm talking about the little you know the, the twelve ring you know little one inch circle. Most people can't hit a one inch circle at that distance. Well, I know like at the three D archery tournaments that me and my brother in law were going to, it was always like. 38 yards, 47 yards, yep. you know, those are main your shots up to like 52. And then you would get to that one. It was like 16 yards at a gopher. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be easy. You pull back and you shank it. And you're like, what? I've been sitting here banging out 50, 60 yard shots in the 10 ring. And now I'm, I can't even hit this gopher dead center in the chest. So I, I understand where you're coming from on that one. And then Trav's over here like, yeah, I'm shooting 50-yard shots right into the side of my barn. <laughs> no, that was that was like a, that was about a 70, 80. But, yeah, it, right. And, and I'm blaming that on my kids screaming at me right when I'll hit the Oh, yeah, sure. Blame it on the <laughs> kids. Excuse, excuse, you know. Um, Throw the attention elsewhere. Exactly, exactly. No, um, no I tried to shoot. I didn't last year shoot that far, and this year I've tried taking a lot longer shots, and I was practicing, you know, like you, up to like 60, 65 yards. And once I got past that, I could hit them, but it was a little low or a little to the right or something like that. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to take a shot on a deer this far. And it was more or less just kind of shoot for fun, just out there shooting to see how consistent I can keep it at this range, you know. But – yeah, I, I don't know how yeah. I feel about it. I'm going to have to try that close range stuff. You know, you got me thinking. That's what I've been sitting over here quiet. I've been sitting here thinking, like, how, could I do that, something that small or something like that in that close? Or am I going to miss and my ego be completely murdered at that point? Uh, so, along with – I want to talk for, like, a new hunter standpoint – um, and I know Steve is going to have so much to say about this, so we're going to let you speak last so I can get Travis's uh, <laughs> opinion on this too. Uh, but like new hunter, brand new bow, got it sighted in. You got, we'll, we'll say, you know, you went out and spent the money and bought a, a, a 3D deer target, which is awesome. You know, if you've got that capability, go ahead. But if you're shooting off season, in 3ds shoot shoot the insert all day but when you're starting to side in get your muscle memory to put it where you know a kill shot's gonna be because that i'm gonna guarantee you i mean it might be a uh, it may be a kill shot you're just gonna wait six to eight hours to go find it but you need to start practicing putting it in the armpit or where the heart's gonna be so aiming low in the armpit, taking in count for your uh, the deer going to drop because it. I have seen a video where they did a scientific study on it where a deer can duck 
two feet in a half of a second. So when they hear that thump from your bow, they're ducking. That's why you aim low for that armpit shot. I, I think that's – I would say that's how you're practicing, Trav. Yeah. I mean, if there's somebody new – I don't know if you go and buy the three. I don't have the 3D target. I'm shooting the block target, like you know, I've had forever. I end up buying another one another day because mine suddenly become MIA, and we don't have to get into that conversation tonight. But um, so I just bought another one, and uh, you know, I've got spots marked on it and everything else. And I'll go and get like the like the stickers that you shoot for like a kid, like a BB gun, like that that are like bright yellow and I'll stick them on there and try to, you know, hit them or keep it as close to that as I can, you know, try to keep it as tight as possible. And I think if you can get the muscle memory down of like consistently hitting that spot you're shooting at is going to help you, you know, if you can get consistent at shooting, whether it's a 3d deer target, a block target or whatever, if you can keep those arrows grouped, at 20 30 yards in a relatively small size and then you say you spend the money on one of those targets like yeah you need to be shooting at the kill zone and then or find a buddy that's got one and practice it you know because i think there is especially if you're a new hunter there is that carryover to actually going from like a 3d block target over here square to an actual body of a deer and it and some people it may throw them off you know i remember the first deer i was going to shoot at with a bow. I didn't end up going to take the shot, but I was in like panic mode, like trying to figure out how to place it, how to link, you know, everything else. I was young. I was, you know, I didn't get to take the shot, but it, I think it helped me being young and having the bow and everything and going into almost like target panic, overthinking where to shoot. But, you know, I'm with y'all shoot for the kill shot if you're on a 3D target, but also just learn how to stay very consistent and keep your arrows grouped on whatever you're shooting on. All right, Steve, let's hear. Yeah. No, I think Trevor pretty well summed that one up. Um, but there are some of the 3D targets. And again, if, if you go shoot 3D tournaments, there are some targets that when I shoot at them, I feel like I'm actually taking a gut, gut shot on an animal. It's like, oh my gosh, this, you know, 10 ring is so far back on this one. Uh, but but yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. But just remember on that live animal, like I said, we owe it to that animal for you to understand the anatomy on it. And uh, so for the most part, if you just aim for the opposite leg, you're okay. You know, when I say opposite leg, I'm talking like in the, you know mid uh, mid chest cavity, but you know above the opposite leg, that's going to give you a, a good shot. Uh, but if you're like I said, if you're practicing that 3D target and you got a perfectly broadside and so the first time an animal's quartering towards you, then you hit it in the right spot, but your arrow come out too far on the other side, you got a big problem. So always, always remember you got to change your aim point. Sometimes you know your where you want your arrow to go, just to give you that good shot. But practice, 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 practice on 3D targets. They're awesome. Practice on a paper target, whatever you got to do. But practice, practice, practice. But then also fully understand the deer's anatomy when you take that shot. Yeah. Have you ever played the dice game? I have not. What is that? Uh, okay, I don't know if Trav, you've played it, um, but so you've seen the dice targets, right? The foam dice oh, yeah, targets. Okay, so. okay, well, I just watched this video. Me and my brother-in-law actually did it uh, the other day, but we put our own little twist on it. But I've seen these videos where, like, these guys will take this dice target and they'll huck it as far as they can. And they've got some weight to it, so you ain't going to throw it no 30, 40 yards. So they'll throw it as far as they can. And that's what me and Evan did 
you and then whoever's shooting, you flip a coin and go who's who's first. So say it lands on the six. Okay, well Evan will say, okay, the target is the middle left dot. Okay, so everybody's shooting at the middle left dot. If you hit and you're with multiple people, you know, six, seven people, whoever hits that target is still in. If you miss, you're out. Oh, that sounds like so, fun. So then you go to the you go pull and then where you're standing at. So if you throw it 22 yards, and this is why I like this game because it's not always going to be 20 yards. It might be you might throw it out and it might be 15 yards. You may throw it out, it may be 27 yards, depending on how good the throw is and how good the roll is. So you're not always going to get 20 yards. So you're having to learn your pins and your adjustments and stuff. But then you go pull. And from standing at the 20-yard spot or wherever it was at, 22 yards, we'll say, you take it and you throw it again. So you may get, you know, a 15-yard throw. So now you're up at 37 yards and you go back and it lands on the five. And somebody's like, okay, well, whoever's shooting first, I don't feel a little comfortable. So we're going to go with a center dot in the middle of the five. So you shoot. If you miss, you're out. And you just keep doing that and keep throwing it further and further until you're, you know, you're down to the last couple people and you might, you might end up getting 60, 70 yard shots. And that's it, just a fun little game that I had seen on, a, on a YouTube. And then I also seen another guy, he had a target that looked like a, di- uh, a dartboard and they were playing, uh, what's that game? Cricket. I've seen that. They were playing cricket with their arrows. That was pretty cool. But also, before we wrap this up, do you trust yourself? Because I've seen Josh Bomar do this. Do you like burning a burning a field in a brand new truck? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll go to that different story. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but do you trust yourself to set your block target up on the toolbox of your truck right in front of the back windshield and go back to 45 yards and hit it? Uh, to shoot into my back window no but have you're shooting into your you said he's he there's a video that he set his block target on the toolbox of his truck right in front of the the windshield and went back to i thought was at least 40 yards with with a a swacker uh practice tip so a broadhead basically and right into the target. He said, I don't know if I would do that. Ready. I don't. I don't know if I do it in my truck, but I do keep a target in my Polaris Ranger, and I shoot that all the time while sitting in the Ranger. But do you, would you trust yourself to make that shot into the yeah. back of your? Okay. I've shot off my tailgate, like with it sitting on the tailgate at <clears throat> 30, 40 before. I might put it like in the back of my bed. Yeah. But I'm not putting it up on my windshield. It wouldn't be smart by any means, but we also don't have the big sponsors that would buy us a new piece of glass if something <laughs> went wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. So anybody, would I, anybody could I? Yeah, I, I wouldn't because uh, so I, don't, I don't have that kind of expendable money. <laughs> like I would go as far as like going to Lancaster Archery and doing the 100-yard metal plate shot. I don't yep. know if you've seen that. They've yep. got right over the insert. They have a metal plate that covers the whole deer except for the size of the insert. 
So if you miss, you're ruining an arrow. But, I mean, I would do that one or two times just to say I did it. And if I missed, I missed. If I hit, great. I can say I hit a deer in a metal insert. Yeah, that would be awesome. But I don't think that I would trust myself to sling an arrow purposely into the back windshield of my truck. Yeah, like I said, trust myself, but I would not do that. Yeah. No. There's a level of stupidity. I mean, how many uh, after-hunt sodas have we had before someone talks you into doing this? Maybe a different story, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Dear hey, y'all, watch yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Hold this. That's the famous this. last words. Hold my, yeah. hold my soda and watch yeah. this. Uh, but uh, all right. So yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. This was actually a great podcast. We go, you know, I, I think I like the the plan of just see where the talk goes. I think I I love that. That's awesome. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of technical difficulty with Trav. Yeah, I got a business phone call and I tried to silence it real quick, and it apparently kicked me off. I could hear y'all, but y'all could not hear me. Um, I do want to touch on something real fast. It's not going to go deep. Um, anyone listening to this that is new to hunting, I do. We've touched on, you know, like that being ethical with your shot and the animal. Like, I do want people to realize, like, yes, you're doing this as a sport and it's something that we love to do. You're taking harvesting an animal, but you also need to take it real seriously that you are taking an animal here. You're harvesting it. And this is not something that really takes lightly. And that's why we tell you to practice. Like, don't just, you know, shoot a couple arrows on a Monday and hit the woods on a Saturday and think that you're good, especially if you've not been shooting. Like you want to do this animal justice and take it as ethically and as fair as possible. Because like you said, it is another creature out here. You're doing this to feed your family or yourself and everything else. And I just feel like we should touch on a little more, maybe real briefly and quickly to end this up. Yeah, I agree with you. Don't, you know, but, you know, I heard this story somewhere about a guy getting his bow straight from the bow shop and going right to the woods with it. <laughs> yeah, heard that. But absolutely, I, I think this season I will also want to talk about young hunters and like hunters' remorse, mm-hmm. um, being prepared to know you just took a beating heart. Yes, it is an animal, but you're still. I know my first time I killed a deer, I was young. After all said and done, it hit me, and I was. I was shook about it. I was like, oh, wow. I well, and there's just killed something. There's something to be said. Like, and we've, we've all touched this on like last season and a lot of episodes of like, if you grow up hunting and you get taught by like your parents or your grandparents or both and stuff, like you get taught that. And there's something to like, like a lot of kids, like you're going to start out like squirrel hunting or dove hunting and you're going to get taught like when you kill this, like anything you kill, you're going to eat and like you're taking a lot. You're not just killing this for sport, like you're killing this to eat, you know, and it, it, you can become, I'm not going to say desensitized to it with like bird hunting. Like everyone knows I'm a big waterfowl hunter and stuff. And there is, there is some difference. Cause I had this conversation recently with a buddy of mine's wife of like, there is something different about shooting a duck or a dove. And I don't know if it, she, she said she couldn't correlate it between like whether it was the size of it or what compared to shooting a deer like she's never shot a deer she's like it doesn't really bother me to shoot a duck she's like but i feel like it would bother me to shoot a deer and i was like that's that's, that's something i'd never thought about because i guess when you like you grow up in the sport then you know it it doesn't you don't think about it that way but someone who's new to it i could see that like if you're shooting a squirrel or a duck it's not gonna gonna have the same remorse as you are a good sized deer you know or that's the uh, walt disney syndrome yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, oh, you went out and shot Bambi kind of thing. You know, 
and and I'll just say it about Disney, but it's true for a lot of the yeah. kid shows like that. Is they they've taken animals, which are animals, and they are totally different than a human being is. Yes, it's still a living creature, but the the conscious level, their thought process, everything is just so different than what we are, and and they've humanized them. You know, it shows the little, you know, daddy deer coming home with the mommy deer and hanging out with baby deer and watching TV kind of thing. You know, it's like, no, that's not the way animals are. They think about how am I going to stay away from Mr. Coyote? Where am I going to get my next meal at? And bucks are looking for the next girlfriend. That's all they think about. Absolutely. But I think that's going to wrap up episode two of the season two. I'm going to pick on... Uh, I'm gonna actually going to close this out in prayer, but I'm going to pick on Steve to – I'm going to give you a couple minutes to um, find a Bible verse that you would like to share with us if you got one. But while he's looking for that, um, you know, I just want to share with you all that, you know, we have big plans for this show. We, we want to reach as many people as we can for hunting talk. We want to talk or reach um, as many people as we can to come to know Jesus uh, that's why I like to spend, you know, the last couple minutes of the podcast kind of just talking about God and how great he's been. Today, um, I had the opportunity to volunteer at my church and do what we do at Keystone Connect. It's where if you're new to church, you're coming in trash for the first time, we bring people in, we give them a good lunch, um, and we tell them kind of about what our church is about, about, you know, we're ascending church, not sinning, but sending um, how we bring people in, we, we armor them up with God's word and then we send them out to reach the community, um, or places that don't have the ability to know about Jesus. Um, so it, to see the new church goers come in, I'm not gonna say new church goers, but new people to our church come in and, talk like what they would their like if they built a church how would it be what they wanted to name what's their mission how they're going to accomplish their mission and it kind of all was the same but it's exactly what church is supposed to be about um going out speaking the name of god speaking for yourself not anybody else i can only tell you how great god's been to me um but i think that the woods is the best place to go and sit and talk to God. Uh, yesterday, the woods was an amazing place for him to allow me to go to enjoy a, a good football game while able to hunt at the same time. Um, so, Mr. Steve, you ready? Yes, sir. Oh, Mr. Steve's ready with I'm a we call it the, I'm gonna call it the daily refresher. The daily the refresher. weekly refresher. So, uh, Job twelve. 10 in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind so that kind of sums up all of us right there you know the the breath of every creature is you know every, every creature is in his hands whether we're talking about us we're talking about deer whatever it is uh god has everything in his hand and as long as we follow him we're in a good spot I like that, too, because it also correlates with another verse in the Bible that I probably I don't really memorize scripture like I should. But it also says the word of God and the love of God is in your hand. Yep. Um, so I, I, that correlates. I love how it correlates with that. That's that's awesome. Trav, you got anything to say uh, before I wrap us up in prayer? Good. You lead it away, man.
right. Well, uh, remove your hats, bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight uh, and just thank you for the ability to have time, to have the breath in our lungs to do such a great podcast, to uh, reach out with these these two guys and um, just talk hunting and, you know, talk about how great you are, that you are just able to give us the blessings that we have to be able to go out into the woods and spend time with nature and uh, doing what you intended when you say, you know, grab your bow and your quiver and go hunt game for me. Um, I pray for this week for everybody to have a blessed week, an easy week that things don't get stressful, but if they do, they, you know, drop on their knees and they come to you with it and they, you know, know that you're just there always to listen, always there to help us. If we just sit and tell you what we want, tell you what we need really. And then you can show us exactly what we need to do in life that we are called to do in our life that you allow us to go through our week and just know that you're right there with your hand over top of us uh if there's someone out there listening they need you i pray that you can just reach down and cover them with a blanket of grace and love and uh show them you know who you are and you know get them to open their eyes and realize that you know with you everything is possible through any storm that comes your way you're you're right in the middle of everything to help them so um thank you for these two guys that you allow them to come on the show thank you for all the listeners that you've given us and uh allow us to talk just stuff that we love every every week so we ask all these things in your blessed son's name amen all right, guys, well, that's going to wrap up episode two. Uh, now I'm going to hop off here and go watch the Eagles beat the Dolphins down to the ground. Uh, so with that being said, say goodnight, Trav. Goodnight, Trav. Say goodnight, Steve. We've lost Steve. I think we lost Steve. But anyways, goodnight, Steve. We'll see you guys later. Peace out.